0: Hello, this is Ron Clark from the Agape Church of Christ in Portland, Oregon. And you are listening to the God of Second Chances podcast. Welcome back to the God of Second Chances podcast. Today, we have a special podcast. It's actually a lesson from a sermon series that was done at the Agape Church of Christ. Due to the type of ministry we have, and the fact that we rent a public school, and we have various individuals that attend, some sermons don't always go so well. And so we've found a way to re-edit those sermons and those lessons in our podcast ministry. And so today, you're going to listen to clips from the sermon entitled, Tending Sheep and goats. A discussion of Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46. A discussion of why do we do the things we do in ministry. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Read ahead and listen to this special lesson today. So, Matthew chapter 25. All right. So, this is an interesting parable. Um, There's two parables about heaven, really talk about judgment. This is one, and then the other one is the um, rich man and Lazarus. And in both of those parables, it has something to do with helping the poor. Uh, We call it social justice. You know, you're... Your future, your, your standing, in, uh, your, your hope of heaven is based upon how you treat the poor during your life. And I think that's an important thing that we, uh, people don't always talk about how important that is. This parable, Matthew chapter 25, it occurs in a section of Matthew. Matthew's div- divided the book into five sections. And the way we know this is because if you look in your Bibles to Matthew 26, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all these things. That occurs five times in Matthew. So Matthew has broken up chunks of, of his book. He's written to Jewish Christians, so we think it's kind of like the five books of the Torah. And so when you, you see a section, the stories, and then it ends with when Jesus finished these things. And then we move into the next thing. So This is the very end of the fifth fifth section, and then we move on into the crucifixion. So Matthew is saying um, Jesus wants his disciples to learn something important before he dies. And what is it? Well, he's already talked about the destruction of the temple. You know, the temple's going to be destroyed when Rome destroys it, which happens, you know, about 40 years later. He tells them a story about being ready, waiting. It's like the women who've got their, uh, the virgins, they're waiting to get married and they, um, you know, they have their lamp wicks trimmed so that the flame goes on. He says um, it's like the the people who, uh, you know, who have money and they use it wisely for the kingdom of God. So he's been telling his disciples, you have to be ready. And then he tells the story of the sheep and goats. This has something to do with being ready. What do we do while we're waiting? What do we do while we're waiting for you know, the judgment? Or what do we do while we're waiting for Rome to destroy the temple? How do we live our lives? So he's telling them, this is what you need to do to be ready to be there. Okay? to be prepared, to have something ready to go. And then, as he tells the story, um, he uses this language. He comes with angels. Uh, he's on the throne. He uses the phrase, the king, twice. He hands out judgment. He, uh, Jesus is talking like the God language. I am God. I am, you know, almighty God. I will sit on the throne and, I'll, and I will judge, you see. And he talks about uh, separating... He's, he's getting them ready, but he's using this God language. Before I come, before I make judgment, you need to be ready. And then he uses this symbol of sheep and goats. You know, When I lived in Missouri, uh, uh, it was a farming area, so I used to work in high school at a cattle barn, and we used to separate cattle. And they would say, you know, separate the, the, the males from the females or separate the heavy ones from, or separate the black ones from the brown ones. And so we'd go along, and you'd have a gate, and you'd have a stick, and you you know you'd separate them out sometimes they would try to get in there you shove the gate in their face and push them back other times they, they they aren't going where you want so you take the stick and you kind of whack them a couple times to get them over there but you always separate the the cattle and it, it's it's very involved you know a lot of involvement this is what the king says he says he separates the sheep from the goats he's going to make a decision he's going to make a distinction he's going to get extremely involved and in, um, in this process. And how does he do it? He separ- how does he separate sheep from goats? How does he separate um, the good from the bad? How is that all <coughs> going to happen? Well, in this story, he's going to do it based on how they live their lives. So when we get into the story, he, he, he gathers these people and he separates them, which means that he's already decided who's going to go to heaven and who's not. He's already made a distinction. He's already come up with this idea. He's already figured it out, which tells us that when I live my life, the way I live my life, basically on the judgment day, God's already made the decision. People say, people talk like, you know, I'm going to stand before the throne of God and I'm going to have an argument. No, you're not. I'm going to stand before the throne of God and I'm going to tell the judge this. No, you're not. It's already going to be decided. You go here, you go here. Ain't going to be a whole lot of talking. There's no persuading. There's no getting on your knees. There's no tears. There's no, uh, you know, no tears at heaven, no tears at the throne either. I mean, there's no judge who's going to be there. And have, Now, wait a minute. You've got to understand something about Ron. Ron's a bad person, but he's got Nope, nope. Judgment, it's already decided. And what does he say here? He gathers the people together, and he gives this beautiful statement. He says, on verse 34 come you who are blessed by my father take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world I was hungry you gave me something to eat I was thirsty you gave me something to drink I was stranger you invited me and I needed clothes you clothed me I was sick and you looked after me I was in prison and you came to visit me see I get asked a lot of times <clears throat> why do you people do what you do why do you, why does your church do a soup feed why does your church worry about feeding people? Why does your, your church worry about getting close to people? Why do you have people in your church that want to make sure their kids are able to talk to those who are homeless? Why do we take an interest in people who are homeless or people who've been in abuse or people who've been <clears throat> you know, trafficked? Or why does your uh, church worry about building a home? You know, why is that so important to you? And the take is, I think I, I try to tell people because this is what the story talks about. It's important in the story. I have a lot of friends in ministry that their big focus is on growing a big church and studying their Bibles and learning and reflecting and always hanging out with Christians. And I'll say, "What do you do for the poor?" Well, you know, it's just that's that uh, you know that's that's that kind of work. And I'm like, seems to me that the judgment—that's what's brought up. Did you notice that? Come. Uh, the king will say to them, come, who are blessed by my father, for you know all the books of the Bible, right? Does he say that in there? Right? Come, for you go to church every Sunday. I mean, We should go, but I mean, you know, but he, that's not, you know. Come, for you, you, you know, you give this amount of money, right? No. He says, come, here's why I want you to come in, because he, he lists these things off. And it's interesting because the, the f- this is mentioned four times. And each time it's mentioned, it gets shorter and shorter. So what you begin to see is the very first mention, it's like this grand proclamation. This is it. You, know, you imagine Jesus talking to his disciples. Well, what do we need to do to wait? What do we got to do? Here it is right here. Boom. It's the big thing. When I was hungry, you see? What did he do when, when I was hungry? What did they do? Gave him something to eat, right? Oh. when he was thirsty, what? Gave him something to drink, right? When you were a stranger, What did he do? He welcomed him. And the word there is gathered together. It's the same word used in 32 when he gathers together all the nations and separates them. It's the term there. When I was a stranger, you gathered me in. It's more than just welcoming me in. It's gathering me together. You see, not gathering me together in a prison, but gathering me together to take care of us. When I, uh, you you know, you welcomed me, right? Oh, I missed that one. I wrote that one down, right? When I needed clothes, what did you do? When I was naked, what would you do? You clothed me. When I, he said, all of these things, uh, you did this for me. And it's funny because the word weak or sick, it's, it's not just sick, it's weak, it's oppressed, it's vulnerable. People say, why do you do domestic violence work? Why? Because that's the people who are weak, who are vulnerable in our life. And his take is, when all of this happened, you did this for me. And so because of that, you're going to go to heaven. You're going to go into eternal life, and then their response. Notice verse thirty-seven. They, it, they suddenly they're called the righteous. They're not just sheep. The righteous. Well, when did we see this? When was this going on? You see, said so, when you did it to my the little the least of these my brothers and sisters. They are my family. You know, people on this. That's why we you know we say when somebody when we need to when we have an opportunity to help someone we should because they're probably Jesus probably see Jesus there than I would in in you know a corporate CEO or something like that. And yet here here he is. He says, "When you did this for them, you did it to me." And then he turns to the other ones and he says, you know, you're going away and he says, "You're going to a place prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't prepared for humans, but it's prepared for but you're going to go there. See, it was prepared for people who are already evil, but you're going to go there. What had happened? He said, I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was thirsty. You didn't You didn't give me something to drink. I was a stranger. You know, you didn't welcome me. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. I was weak, sick. I was in prison. You didn't come to see me. And so he, he very quickly lists all these together. It's like he's getting upset. So he's having to just Hurry through it. Then their response, of course, is, well, when did we see you? And then they're even shorter. When did we see you? You know, hungry, thirsty, stranger, you know, so forth. It gets shorter and shorter. It's almost as if the king's getting really upset because these are a people who had an opportunity and they didn't take advantage of it. And what I find interesting is at the very end when they respond, verse 44, they will answer, when did we see you? Hungry, thirsty, stranger, needing, clothes, sick, in prison, and did not help you. It's the Greek word for ministry. And you get the idea. When did we not do ministry? That's ministry, see. Well, we were over here building these big old churches and we were preaching at the big old, which can be fine. We were over here studying, getting all these advanced degrees. We were digging in. We were learning. That's not ministry. See, ministry is over here ministry is right here doing these things and see I I I have friends I have colleagues and I try to stress that to them and they go man it's so wonderful oh I just love this stuff but we need to do it you see we stand before the throne and the take is not creating a ministry but doing a ministry why do we do this well that's our question why do we do this kind of a thing why is this important well in the parable we learn some things first of all I know, well, shouldn't we be talking about heaven more? You know, because we've got to motivate people to get to heaven. You know, it's interesting, really, not a lot said about heaven, but there's a lot said about judgment. Paul says in Romans 14, you know, it's appointed for people to die, and then after that, the judgment. Second Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat. There's this idea, hey, you know, it, you know heaven's great, but before we get to heaven, we're all going to sit before the throne of God. We're going to stand before the throne of God. And we have that song, you know, we, before the throne of God above, and I have a pure and perfect peace. And we, we sing that song, and it, there's a sense of comfort there, but it's comforted because I know I've done what God has called me to do. Well, our salvation is not by works. No, it's not. But salvation is also by faith, and faith is seen in our works. And so there's this idea that before we even consider heaven, we got to stand before God. There's a judgment day. We stand before God for who we are and what we've done. Judgment is already determined before death. You know, my take is when I die, I've done what I can. You know, well, you've got to have assurance. Well, I have assurance, but I also know when I die, I've done what I can, and I, and I want to do what I can before I die. If I'm somebody that says, man, I wake up, my, my life's got to change, I've got to get my life right with God, start getting your life right with God because when we die, we want to be able to say, I did what God asked me to do not well you know i don't know i just hope that he'll change his mind when I'm, you know i mean that's not how we live our lives we live our lives realizing that when we've died we lay our we lay our our, our uh, uh, sickles down as they say we lay our hoes down we lay our rakes down we come in from the field we did our work today the field is prepared that's the idea and there's no argument it's a done deal we've, we've already lived our lives that's why um, sometimes people say is it hard to do funerals I, I don't see myself as preaching people into heaven. I just talk about what they did. And if people are listening and go, man, you, you know, you're talking about what they did and and the person never really did a lot for God or served God or loved God, and I say, well, they stand before God. You know, nothing I say can change that. I also tell people, um, you know, if this person lived their life to bring glory to God, there's nothing I can say that's not already going to touch your heart like they did. See, we live our lives for God. There's We go, but, but why do we do this? Well, one reason... It's because it has to do with our salvation, you know. Our salvation does depend on this, and um, you know. I, I know we don't want to go around being afraid, but the idea is there has to be a little bit of like, like. I I see people, and I I you know at at work. I came out of my office, and there were people there rummaging through the trash can. I knew that they needed a place. I said, "Can I get you some tarps next time?" Yeah, and I stood and visited with them. And it's easy to go. Yeah, I don't want to talk to them. I don't have time. I need to get going. But there's a part of me that goes, you know what? Jesus is watching me. Jesus might even be there. And I should try. I can't give them a house. I can't give them a lot of money. But I can at least come over and talk with them and make eye contact. And so there has to be a little bit of a, we do this because it's our salvation. Why do we work with... uh, with domestic violence, because we have to. It's our salvation. Melissa uh, says, yeah, I have to get involved. You know, I should help, because, uh, yeah, I'm going to stand before God. And God's going to say, man, I was, I was down there hungry, and you walked by me. You never asked how you were doing. You never tried to help. A second thing, I love what Matthew does with righteousness. When I look at um, the term for righteousness, verse 37, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Uh, he uses that term righteousness. And then at the very end, but the righteous to eternal life. Our definition of righteousness is somebody who follows the law. You know, you do everything. You don't speed. You do everything you're supposed to. But Matthew has an interesting spin. He takes like, for instance, with, remember the story with Joseph and he finds out Mary's pregnant with the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah. And it says, being a righteous man, he decided to divorce her quietly. Now, if he was righteous by the law, he would have drugged Mary out before the crowd and said, she had an affair on me, Uh, she's an adulteress, even though we're not married, we're engaged, so I release her. And the crowd probably would have stoned her. But he doesn't do that. He just decides quietly. Um, Matthew is saying righteousness involves compassion. You have the next story, Jesus stands before me, says to the, to the disciples, if your righteousness doesn't exceed that of the Pharisees, you know what does that mean? This is the time that we're looking at the application of the lesson. Uh, some events had happened uh, that forced us to shut down uh, the sermon and the worship a little early. And so we are now going to uh, finish that lesson. First of all, In the application, uh, Ron was pointing out that we do this ministry because, in a sense, it's what God has called us to do, or God expects from us. And there should be a little sense of fear or respect or love for God that we are willing to do these, uh, these types of social justice ministries because we believe that we will stand before God one day and be accountable. A second point that was being made was the spin that Matthew has on righteousness. As you go through Matthew, righteousness has an important issue and it's focused on compassion. As he was mentioning in the lesson, Matthew acted out of compassion with his his fiancee Mary. In Matthew 5, Jesus had said, Your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. Well, how does that happen? Forgive Uh, your enemies love your enemies love your neighbor treat women with respect don't lust after them Uh, treat people like you want to be treated Matthew 7 all the law and prophets hang on this and later you have Matthew 22 the greatest commandments love God love your neighbor the law and prophets there again hang on these issues you also have the story In this same gospel of a man who in chapter 19 the rich ruler comes to Jesus and says you know what do you got to do to get to heaven Jesus says follow the Torah I did okay well uh, one thing you lack one thing that's missing if you want to be perfect or if you want to be mature actually is what the Greek word means then sell your possessions give to the poor you'll have treasure in heaven so there's this idea you get the law but you got to understand compassion. If you want to be mature, you need to act out of compassion. Give to the poor. He also, in confronting the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who uh, were corrupt religious leaders, uh, before he gives this uh, this powerful, powerful message in Matthew 25, he's confronting the leaders in chapter 23, and he says in verse 23 that you... You, 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 you get so picky in what you tithe but you neglect the more important matters of the law which are justice mercy and faithfulness and then in Matthew 25 uh, the spin is, is kind of slowing down and there are the idea twice the sheep are called the righteous why are they righteous because they act out of compassion Matthew is challenging the readers of this gospel to be a people who act out of compassion a third reason that we do this and we saw the first one was our salvation depends on it or that it's what it means to be righteous but a third reason is that Jesus said the least of these my brothers and sisters these are my family Um, too often I have friends uh, I have colleagues who feel that ministry is to be done among the rich and powerful and too often in our faith communities, we cater to the rich and powerful. In fact, Jesus' own brother Matthew, I mean, I'm sorry, Jesus' own brother James says if a guy comes in with you know, a ring and clothes, rich clothes, you, you cater to him, but somebody comes in and rags a poor person and you make him go, you go sit over here. That the early Christians have always, for some reason, had a love affair with the rich and powerful. Christians have always, for some reason, had a love affair with the rich and powerful. And yet, the biblical text says, that's not where I live, according to Jesus. Jesus lives among the poor, among the oppressed. And so we do this work because it's who God has called us to be. It is about our salvation. It is about being righteousness. And it's because that's Jesus' family. Too often in churches, we are looking for Jesus in the wrong place. We are trying to serve the wrong people. And I think that this is more than just checking like on our Facebook or checking in at the dual access pipeline. I was there. I'm at Standing Rock. I'm with these people. Uh, In our world today, social justice is simply meant clicking a click uh, or, or a link on our Facebook page or reposting it. And according to Matthew 25 to be like Jesus to be doing the ministry of Jesus to be doing the work of salvation has to do with actually getting down among the poor and the oppressed and the sick and the abused and the weak and doing that kind of ministry is that ministry popular obviously not because Jesus had to separate sheep and goats and sheep and goats goats weren't unbelievers goats were people who claimed to follow Jesus and Jesus separates them at judgment day. Hopefully this lesson was one that offered hope. Uh, We believe at the Agape Church of Christ that that's who we are called to be and many of our people believe that it's not for everybody but it's for us and that's what we try to do. I constantly try to encourage our congregation to let them know the wonderful things that are said about the work. Not to boast or to give us a big head but to keep us going because doing the ministry to the weak, to the poor, to the least of these, to the little ones of Jesus requires tremendous strength and endurance and you get burned out and you struggle. One of our members actually said, sometimes I feel like we're fighting out of our league. and I. I often say we are, we, we swing big and we strike out a lot. We lose a few teeth on, on the ice because we've been body checked quite often. We, we have a, a huge goalie blocking our goal. Uh, we have people that tend to tackle us often. Uh, we never seem to throw the ball as, as accurately as we could. But the point is we step onto the wrestling mat and we take on uh, Satan. And when you do this kind of work, when you work with social justice, you have to swing big. You have to fight out of your league because Satan is taking Jesus down there. And the way he's taking Jesus down is by enticing so many, so many followers to be in love with riches and wealth and power and the, uh, uh, the musical artists or the popular actors and actresses or uh, the sports heroes or the rich and powerful and that's not where Jesus lives he lives among the least of these so this lesson is a challenge to us that we will all stand before God and there's no arguing on judgment day God already knows where we're gonna go because of how we live That's so I want to encourage you especially this holiday season to realize that Jesus is among the least of these he's marginalized he was homeless he's been abused he's been a victim he's been hurt he needs his own followers to step in and to love and to serve so that they can hear one day well done i'm ron clark with the agape church of christ and you're listening to the god of second chances podcast go in peace love God, serve others, and remember the God of second chances.